Section 20 of The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2, by Zhao Xuqing. Translated by Henry Bancroft Jolie. Chapter 35, Part 1. Bai Yuchun tastes to the lotus leaf soup. Huang Jingqing skillfully plaits the plum blossom nut nets. Bao Chai had our story goes, distinctly heard Lin Dai Yu sneer, but in her eagerness to see her mother and brother, she did not so much as turn her head round, but continued straight on her way. During this time, Lin Dai Yu halted under the shadow of the trees. Upon casting a glance in the distance towards the Yi Hong Yuan, she observed Li Gong Chai, Ying Chun, Tan Qin, Si Chun, and various inmates wending their steps in a body in the direction of the Yi Hong court. But after they had gone past, and company after company of them had dispersed, she only failed to see Lady Feng come. How is it, she cogitated within herself, that she doesn't come to see Bao Yu, even supposing that there was some business to detain her? She should also have put in an appearance, so as to carry favor with our venerable senior and Madame Wang. But if she hasn't shown herself at this hour of the day, there must certainly be some cause or other. While preoccupied with conjectures, she raised her head. At a second glance, she discerned a crowd of people, as thick as flowers in a bouquet, pursuing their way also into the Yi Hong court. On looking fixedly, she recognized Dr. Lady Jia, leaning on Lady Feng's arm, followed by Madame Xing and Wang, Mrs. Zhou, and serving girls, married women, and other domestics. In a body, they walked into the court. At the sight of them, Dai Yu unwittingly nodded her head, and reflected on the benefits of having a father and mother, and tears forthwith again bedewed her face. In a while, she beheld Bao Chai, Mrs. Xie, and the rest likewise go in. But at quite an unexpected moment, she became aware that Zi Jun was approaching her from behind. Miss, she said, you had better go and take your medicine. The hot water too has got cold. What do you, after all, mean by keeping on pressing me so? inquired Dai Yu. Whether I have it or not, what's that to you? Your cough, smiled Zi Jun, has recently got a trifle better. And... Won't you again take your medicine? This is, is true, the fifth moon, and the weather is hot. But you should, nevertheless, take good care of yourself a bit. Here you've been at this early hour of the morning, standing for ever so long in this damp place, so you should go back and have some rest. This single hint recalled Tai Yu to her senses. She, at length, realized that her legs felt rather tired. 
after lingering about abstractly for a long while, she quietly returned into the Xiaoshang Lodge, supporting herself on Zijuan. As soon as they stepped inside the entrance of the court, her gaze was attracted by the confused shadows of the bamboos which covered the ground, and the traces of moss. Here thick, there thin, and she could not help recording to mind those two lines of the passage in the Si Xiang Ji. In that long look someone saunters about, white dew coldly bespect the verdant moss. Chang Wen, she consequently secretly commuted within herself, as she signed, had of course a poor fate, but she nevertheless had a widowed mother and a young brother. But in the unhappy destiny to which I, Da Yu, am at present doomed, I have neither a widowed mother nor a young brother. At this point in her reflections, she was about to melt into another fit of crying, when of a sudden the parrot under the veranda caught sight of Dai Yu approaching, and with a shriek, he jumped down from his perch and made her start with fright. Are you bent upon compassing your own death? she exclaimed. You've covered my head all over with dust again. The parrot flew back to his perch. She yen, he kept on shouting. Quick, raise the portier. Miss is come. Da Yu stopped short and rapped on the frame with her hand. Have his food and water been replenished? she asked. The parrot forthwith heaved a deep sigh, closely resembling in sound the groans usually indulged in by Da Yu, and then went on to recite. Here I am fain these flowers to enter, but humankind will love me as a fool. Who knows who will, in ears to come, commit me to my grave? As soon as these lines fell on the ear of Da Yu and Ji Zhuan, they blurted out laughing. This is what you were repeating some time back, Miss? Ji Zhuan laughed. How did he ever manage to commit it to memory? Da Yu then directed someone to take down the frame and suspend it instead on a hook outside the circular window. And presently entering her room, she seated herself inside the circular window. She had just done drinking a medicine when she perceived that the shade cast by the cluster of bamboos planted outside the window was reflected so far on the gauze lattice as to fill the room with a faint light, so green and mellow, and to impart a certain coolness to the teapoys and mats. But Da Yu had no means at hand to dispel her ennui. So from inside the gauze lattice, she instigated the parrot to perform his pranks, and selecting some verses which had ever found favor with her, she tried to teach them to him. But without descending to particulars, let us now avert to Xia Bao Tai. On her return home, she found her mother alone combing her hair and having a wash. Why do you run over at this early hour of the morning? She speedily inquired when she saw her enter. To see, replied Bao Tai, whether you were all right or not, mother. Did he come again, I wonder, after I left yesterday and make any more trouble or not? As she spoke, she sat by her mother's side, but unable to curb her tears, she began to weep. Seeing her sobbing, 
Mrs. She herself could not check her feelings, and she too burst out into a fit of crying. My child, she simultaneously exalted her, don't feel aggrieved. Wait, and I will call that child of wrath to order. For were anything to happen to you, from whom will I have anything to hope? Che Peng was outside and happened to overhear their conversation. So, with alacrity, he ran over and facing Bao Chai, he made a bow, now to the left and now to the right, observing the while. My dear sister, forgive me this time. The fact is that I took some wine yesterday. I came back late, as I met a few friends on the way. On my return home, I hadn't as yet got over the fumes, so I unintentionally talked a lot of nonsense. But I don't so much as remember anything about all I said. It isn't worth your while, however, losing your temper over such a thing. Bao Chai was, in fact, weeping as she covered her face, but the moment this language fell on her ear, she could scarcely again refrain from laughing. Forthwith, raising her head, she sputtered contemptuously on the ground. You can well dispense with all this sham, she exclaimed. I'm well aware that you so dislike us both, that you are anxious to devise some way of inducing us to part company with you, so that you may be at liberty. Xue Peng, at these words, hastened to smile. Sister, he argued, what makes you say so? Once upon a time, you weren't so suspicious and given to uttering anything so perverse. Mrs. Xue hurriedly took up the thread of the conversation. All you know, she interposed, is to find fault with your sister's remarks as being perverse. But can it be that what you said last night was the proper thing to say. In very truth, you were drunk. There is no need for you to get angry, mother, Xue Peng rejoined, nor for you, sister, either. For from this day, I shan't any more make common cause with them, nor drink wine or get about. What do you say to that? That's equal to an acknowledgement of your failings, Bao Chai laughed. Could you exercise such strength of will? At Mrs. Sher, why, the dragon too would lay eggs. If I again go and get about with them, Xue Peng replied, and you, sister, come to hear of it, you can freely spit in my face and call me a beast and no human being. Do you agree to that? But why should you too be daily worried and all through me alone? For you, mother, to be angry on my account is anyhow excusable, but for me to keep on worrying you, sister, makes me less than ever worthy of the name of a human being. If now that father is no more, I manage, instead of showing you plenty of filial piety, mamma, and you, sister, plenty of love, to provoke my mother to anger and annoy my sister, why, I can't compare myself to even a four-footed creature. While from his mouth issued these words, tears rolled down from his eyes, for he too found it hard to contain them. Mrs. She had not at first been overcome by her feelings, but the moment his utterances reached her ear, she once more began to experience the anguish which they stirred in her heart. Bao Chai 
made an effort to force a smile. You've already, she said, been the cause of quite enough trouble. And do you now provoke mother to have another cry? Hearing this, Xue Peng promptly checked his tears. As he put on a smiling expression, When did I, he asked, make mother cry? But never mind, enough of this. Let's drop the matter, and not allude to it any more. Call Xiang Ling to come and give you a cup of tea, sister. I don't want any tea, Pao Cha answered. I'll wait until mother has finished washing her hands, and then go with her into the garden. Let me see your necklace, sister, Shepan continued. I think it requires cleaning. It is so yellow and bright, rejoined Pao Chai. And what's the use of cleaning it again? Sister proceeded Shepan. You must now add a few more clothes to your wardrobe. So tell me what color and what design you like best. I haven't yet worn out all the clothes I have, Pao Chai explained. And why should I have more made? But in a little time, Mrs. Sher effected a change in her costume, and hand in hand with Pao Chai, she started on her way to the garden. Shepong thereupon took his departure. During this while, Mrs. Sher and Pao Chai trudged in the direction of the garden to look up Pao Yu. As soon as they reached the interior of the Yihong court, they saw a large concourse of waiting maids and matrons standing inside as well as outside the inner chambers, and they readily concluded that old lady Cha and the other ladies were assembled in his rooms. Mrs. Sher and her daughter stepped in. After exchanging salutations with everyone present, they noticed that Pao Yu was reclining on a couch, and Mrs. Sher inquired of him whether he felt any better. Pao Yu hastily attempted to bow. I'm considerably better, he said. All I do, he went on, is to disturb you, aunt, and you, my cousin. But I don't deserve such attentions. Mrs. Sher lost no time in supporting and laying him down. Mind you, tell me, whatever may take your fancy, she proceeded. If I do fancy anything, retorted Pao Yu smilingly, I shall certainly send to you, aunt, for it. What would you like to eat? Likewise inquired Madame Wang, so that I may, on my return, send it round to you. There's nothing that I care for, smiled Pao Yu, though the soup made for me the other day with young lotus leaves and small lotus cores was, I thought, somewhat nice. From what I hear, its flavor is nothing very grand, Lady Feng chimed in lovingly, from where she stood on one side. It involves, however, a good deal of trouble to concord, and here you deliberately go and fancy this very thing. Go and get it ready, cried Daoja Lady Jia several successive times. Venerable ancestor, urged Lady Feng with a smile, don't you bother yourself about it? Let me try and remember who can have pushed the moats away? Then turning her head round, Go and bid, she enjoined an old matron, the chief in the cookhouse go and apply for them. After a considerable lapse of time, the matron returned. The chief in the cookhouse, she explained, says that the four sets of moats for soups have all been handed up. Upon hearing this, Lady Fong thought again for a while. Yes, 
I remember, she afterwards remarked. They were handed up, but I can't recollect to whom they were given. Possibly they are in the tea room. Thereupon she also dispatched a servant to go and inquire of the keeper of the tea room about them. But he too had not got them, and it was subsequently the butler entrusted with the care of the gold and silver articles who brought them round. Mrs. Shear was the first to take them and examine them. What, in fact, struck her gaze was a small box, the contents of which were four sets of silver moulds. Each of these was over a foot long, and one square inch in breadth. On the top, holes were boiled of the size of beans. Some resembled chrysanthemums, others plum blossom, some were in the shape of lotus seed cases, others like water chestnuts. They numbered in all thirty or forty kinds, and were ingeniously executed. In your mansion, she felt impelled to observe smilingly to old Lady Char and Madame Wong, everything has been ably provided for. Have you got all these things to prepare a plate of soup with? Hadn't you told me, and I happened to see them, I wouldn't have been able to make out what they were intended for. Lady Fong did not allow time to anyone to put in her word. Aunt, she said, how could you ever have divined that these were used last year for the imperial viands? They thought of a way by which they devised, somehow or other, I can't tell how, some dough shapes, which borrow a little of the pure fragrance of the new lotus leaves. But as all mainly depends upon the quality of the soup, they are not, after all, of much use. Yet who often goes in for such soup? It was made once only, and that's at a time when the moulds were brought. And how is it that he has come to think of it today? So speaking, she took the moulds and handed them to a married woman to go and issue directions to the people in the cookhouse to procure at once several fowls and to add other ingredients besides and prepare ten bowls of soup. What do you want all that lot for? observed Madame Wong. There's good reason for it, answered Lady Fong. A dish of this kind isn't, at ordinary times, very often made. And were, now that Brother Pao Yu has alluded to it, only sufficient prepared for him, and none for you, dear sinner, you, aunt, and you, Madame Wong. It won't be quite the thing. So isn't it better that this opportunity should be availed of to get ready a whole supply so that everyone should partake of some, and that even I should, through my reliance on your kind favor, taste this novel kind of relish. You are sharper than a monkey, Dr. Lady Jha laughingly exclaimed in reply to her proposal. You make use of public money to confer boons upon people. This remark evoked general laughter. This is a mere bagatelle, eagerly laughed Lady Fong. Even I can afford to stand you such a small treat. Then, turning her head round, tell them in the cookhouse, she said to a married woman, to please make an extra supply, and that they'll get the money from me. The matron assented and went out of the room. Pao Chai, who was standing near, thereupon interposed with a smile. During the few years that have gone by since I've come here, I've carefully noticed that Sister-in-law Secunda cannot, with all her acumen, outwit our venerable ancestor. 
my dear child forthwith replied old lady Jia at these words i'm now quite an old woman and how can there still remain any wit in me when i was long ago of your man like cousin feng's age i have far more wits about me than she has i bet she now averts that she can't reach our standard she's good enough and compared with your aunt wong why she's infinitely superior your aunt poor thing won't speak much she's like a block of wood and when with her father and mother-in-law she won't show herself off to advantage but that girl Feng has a sharp tongue so is it a wonder if people take to her from what you say insinuated pao yu with a smile those who don't talk much are not loved those who don't speak much resumed pao jia possess the endearing quality of reserve but among those with clipped tongues there's also a certain despicable lot thus it's better in a word not to have too much to say for one's self quite so smiled pao yu yet though senior sister-in-law jia chu doesn't i must confess talk much you venerable ancestor treat her just as you do cousin feng but if you maintain that those alone who can talk are worthy of love then among all those young ladies sister feng and cousin lin are the only ones good enough to be loved with regard to the young ladies remarked dowager lady cha it isn't that i have any wish to flatter your aunt share in her presence but it is a positive and incontestable fact that there isn't beginning from the four girls in our household a single one able to hold a candle to that girl bao chai at these words mrs she promptly smiled dear venerable senior she said you are rather partial in your verdict our dear senior vehemently put in madame wang also smiling has often told me in private how nice your daughter bao chai is so this is no lie pao yu had tried to lead old lady jia on originally with the idea of inducing her to speak highly of lin tai yu but when unawares she began to eulogize pao chai instead the result exceeded all his thoughts and went far beyond his expectations forthwith he cast a glance at pao chai and gave her a smile but pao chai at once twisted her head round and went and chatted with Jiren. but of a sudden someone came to ask them to go and have their meal dowager lady jia rose to her feet and enjoined pao yu to be careful of himself she then gave a few directions to the waiting maids and resting her weight on lady feng's arm and pressing mrs Sher to go out first she and all with her left the apartment in a body but still she kept on inquiring whether the soup was ready or not if there's anything you might fancy to eat she also said to mrs Sher and the others mind you come and tell me and i know how to coax that hussy feng to get it for you as well as me my venerable senior rejoined mrs Sher, you do have the happy knack of putting her on her mettle but though she has often got things ready for you you have after all not eaten 
very much of them. Aren't, smiled Lady Feng, don't make such statements. If our worthy senior hasn't eaten me up, it's purely and simply because she dislikes human flesh as being sour. Did she not look down upon it as sour? Why? She would long ago have gobbled me up. This joke was scarcely ended when it so tickled the fancy of Oli Dijar and all the inmates that they broke out with one voice in a boisterous fit of laughter. Even Pao Yu, who was inside the room, could not keep quiet. Really, Jie Yuan laughed, the mouth of our mistress Sikunda is enough to terrify people to death. Pao Yu put out his arm and pulled Jie Yuan. You have been standing for so long, he smiled, that you must be feeling tired. Saying this, he dragged her down and made her take a seat next to him. Here you've again forgotten, lovingly exclaimed Jie Yuan. Avail yourself now that Miss Bao Chai is in the court to tell her to kindly bid that Ying Er come and plait a few girdles with twisted cords. How lucky it is you've reminded me, Pao Yu observed with a smile, and putting, how he spoke, his head out of the window. Cousin Bao Chai, he cried, when you've had your repast, do tell Ying Er to come over. I would like to ask her to plait a few girdles for me. Has she got a time to spare? Bao Chai heard him speak, and turning round, How about no time? She answered, I'll tell her by and by to come. It will be all right. Dao Lady Jia and the others, however, failed to catch distinctly the drift of their talk, and they halted and made inquiries of Bao Chai what it was about. Bao Chai gave them the necessary explanations. My dear child remarked, Oh, Lady Jia, do let her come and twist a few girdles for your cousin. And should you be in need of anyone for anything, I have over at my place a whole number of serving girls doing nothing. Out of them, you are at liberty to send for any you like to wait on you. We'll send her to plax them, Mrs. Sher and Bao Chai observed smilingly with one consent. What can we want her for? She also daily idles her time away and is up to every mischief. But chatting the while, they were about to proceed on their way when they unexpectedly caught sight of Chiang Yun, Ping Er, Chiang Ling, and other girls picking balsam flowers near the rocks, who, as soon as they saw the company approaching, advanced to welcome them. Shortly, they all sallied out of the garden. Madame Wong was worrying lest Dowager Lady Jia's strength might be exhausted, and she did her utmost to induce her to enter the drawing room and sit down. Old Lady Jia herself was feeling her legs quite tired out, so she at once nodded her head and expressed her assent. Madame Wang then directed a waiting maid to hurriedly precede them and get ready the seats. But as Mrs. Joe had about this time pleaded in disposition, there was only therefore Mrs. Joe with the matrons and serving girls at hand, so they had ample to do to raise the portieres, to put the back cushions in their places, and to spread out the rugs. End of section 20